Well, good morning, everybody. Good to be here. Gosh, it's been an active morning this morning, hasn't it? Gracious me. Really lovely to be family together. And uh, thank you for the worship team for the worship. That was amazing. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Really good. Um, I'm Mark Isles. Um, Welcome to all the church family and all our guests here today. And I have to remember to welcome all those online as well, including the church family and guests who aren't able to be with us today. Um, As Nigel says, I'm following on the Renew series. God has recently spoken to the church about the importance of renewing some key areas of our life. And as a church family, we're on that journey. So if you're visiting us today or you're visiting us online, you are here for a reason. It's not a coincidence. This is for you. I work work on that principle really permanently. So we're doing the Renew series. Um, And Father's spoken through the Holy Spirit four things for the church family that we're seeking to actively and intentionally renew. Um, That is the commitment to Jesus, community life and relationships, understanding our calling and vision, and expectation of the Holy Spirit's presence and power. And I am the fourth teacher in a series on that, the expectation of the Holy Spirit's presence and power. So if, you've, if you're here today, there have been three talks before that, and those three talks we've had so far, Nigel at our family meeting took us through the symbols of the Holy Spirit, and we looked at who the Holy Spirit is, um, how he moves, and what the different descriptions like wind and dove that the Bible uses to describe him. Joe had the catchy title, What Are We Waiting Here For?, And it really is a very helpful title of saying, well, when we say come Holy Spirit, what does that actually mean in practice? What does that actually mean in reality? What are we looking for in that? And we went into some challenging areas like manifestations when the Holy Spirit appears and some of us are touched by him in a physical way. And then Paul last week led on the importance of being filled and led by the Holy Spirit. And you're all going to remember that because he had his Where's Wally picture up there, don't you? So, um, i.e., we have people that Father has sent us to speak to, appointments, God appointments, the Bible talks about, for us to engage with, and it's a little bit like finding that Where's Wally in all these other people. There's somebody there that Father has sent us to as a witness. So, that brings me to me. And I decided to whoop it up and call it the finale. (laughs) I'm going to big myself up. So, help me um, practically. How many people here, because I'm going to talk about spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts. How many people here um, feel they are comfortable and moving in supernatural gifts already? Okay. Uh, There's a fair number of us, but there's still a lot to learn here. That's good. Um, Please bear with me, because I'm going to go at this as if you don't know. Um, and lay some real groundwork because this is the challenging area, I guess. Do you ever listen to those talks where you get the impression the speaker's building up to something where you're going to have to do something and think, ooh, I know where this is going. And that's where I'm going. I am, you know, Paul's talked about being filled and led by the Holy Spirit. Um, And my job today is just to introduce the fact that when the Bible talks about the power of the Holy Spirit, what it means is the supernatural or spiritual gifts that the Bible teaches about that Jesus moved in. So we're going to talk about engaging with 
spiritual gifts. So my objective today is to show that the Holy Spirit empowers everyone, empowers everyone with a range of spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And those who know me know that my full-time ministry is training people in prophecy, so you're not surprised to see it up there. Um, And the marketing department early on put in the Bible in a number of places, especially the gift of prophecy, which really works for me. And we'll look at that specifically. So that's my goal for you today. And And church family and our visitors, it's not a talk it's not a talk. I'm, I'm really wanting us to begin to engage with this. You are not going to go out on the street at work and in Tesco tomorrow and be Jesus, although I'd be really thrilled if you were. But I want us to start a journey where perhaps some of us haven't moved in supernatural gifts before, and this is the beginning of taking your first steps into being like Jesus. Acts chapter 1, 48, and I don't know if you remember when Paul was speaking, he said, you can't have Acts chapters 3 and 4 where all the miracles are happening without Acts chapter 2, which is interestingly Pentecost. So it's a surprisingly interesting time for us as a church with Pentecost next Sunday when the Holy Spirit came like a wind and said like, like doves of fire. And it says in Acts 1, 48, on one occasion while he was eating with them, He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jumping to verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I guess a literal translation for us would be in Winchester, in Hampshire, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit would come. Now, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would come, and he would be with us, and he would would live in us. But he also promised that when the Holy Spirit came, he would come with power, and we would move in his power. Not your power, not my power, his power. Nigel, many moons ago, and I can't remember when, we took away the word disciple and started using the word apprentice instead, which I have personally found really helpful. Um, And it has three very memorable and simple principles. An apprentice wants to be with Jesus, big tick on that. Wants to be like Jesus, bit challenging. And wants to do the things that Jesus did. Oh my goodness. And I've got the third line. I've got the third line. An apprentice wants to do the things that Jesus did. And if you can't move supernaturally, I don't see how you can because he healed the sick and raised the dead and did things that are like, wow. Um, But you take 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 and 4 to 6, and it says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I do not want you to misunderstand this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it is the same spirit that's the source for all of them. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord God. And he works in different ways, 
but it is the same God who works the work in all of us. And it's really tackling the fact that once you start to move into spiritual gifts, they are very different, very striking, and very unusual. But they all come from the same Holy Spirit. And we, in Acts 1, receive power to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, I was born in the charismatic renewal in 1973, so I've been a Christian a long time. And when the Holy Spirit came in, it released supernatural gifts into the church, but it had some downsides because we weren't used to it, we weren't expecting it, and it was on days like a drug to us. It made our meetings transformed, but the purpose of the power coming is to make us witnesses, not only in church, but in our communities, in our families, in our works. I don't know why it's always at the Tesco cheese counter, but that's what they're always talking about. It must be at the Tesco's cheese counter. Um, and I'm sorry if that's advertising, but that's the way they talk about these things. Um, and we had to learn it wasn't about having better meetings. It wasn't about the excitement of God moving through us. It was being Jesus to the world and being his witnesses. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, 4, 6 is a list of spiritual gifts, and we'll come back to that. Um, there are a number of lists of spiritual gifts. I'm, I'm a bit OCD, so the nine gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and then the nine fruit in Galatians 5 is nice and tidy for me, and that sort of works for me, and I will be emphasizing that. But there are a number of other lists. Romans 12 is another place in verse 6, and we'll look at those. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We have different gifts. And we'll look at some of these gifts in a minute. But it's firstly recognizing this crunch statement, whether you're there or not, that the Holy Spirit was given with power at Pentecost so you and I could do the things that Jesus did. Not just bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit are as important. In fact, if you've got people moving in the gifts of the Spirit without the fruits of the Spirit, it gets pretty lethal, to say the least. But the gifts are there for you and me. And is Mark saying, yes, me, or is Mark talking to everybody else but me? I am talking to you. It is available to you, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, to make your witness so that you can not only be with Jesus, so you can not only be like Jesus, but you can do the things he did. It's a bit mind-blowing, isn't it? It is a bit mind-blowing. But wherever I am in my faith and my journey, and I'm probably not there, the Bible says to me that in the power of the Holy Spirit, I can raise the dead. That's what it says. Not sure I like it. A bit uncomfortable. A little bit of pressure. But that's what it says. Funnily enough, healing has been something since Jesus was around that we've just accepted. It's been a natural, supernatural gift. It's sort of the acceptable face of spiritual gifts. But there are others. There are others. And prophecy came to me about halfway through my Christian journey. And I've seen it change people's lives and realize how much prophecy can really impact people. We are, Nigel calls us a tribe, I call us a family, same thing. Our grandfather, two generations back from me, um, is John Wimber. And this was how Vineyard was birthed, in my understanding. Now, I'm sure Nigel knows the technicalities and the correct history. I'm a bit of a tourist, so I apologize for that. 
But it was asking this question that took John Wimber on his journey, that took him into healing, and then the healing meeting started birthing Vineyard. And that's why you and I are here. Because he asked the question, I'm loving church, but when do we get to do the stuff? You know, the stuff here in the Bible, the stuff Jesus did, like healing the sick, raising the dead, healing the blind, stuff like that. So we have this sort of crazy phrase in Vineyard, stuff. It's a technical term, and you you think it was an abbreviation, but it actually is a technical term in the theology of Vineyard. We do the stuff. And what's happening here is God's coming to us and saying, it's time to remember your roots. We've moved away from this. We've got used to it. We've become comfortable with it. We're doing the acceptable Christianity to the world when what the world wants is real stuff, not just church meetings. Church meetings are important. We gather as a family. And I couldn't survive without worship on a regular basis with you and hearing the teaching and encouragement, but it's meant to take it outside. So, spiritual gifts. Um, All my quotes are from the New International Version, but I'm using the New Living Translation because I found this passage a bit easier and more understandable. Moving on in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, and if you remember, I said there are nine gifts in this list. It says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us, remember, everyone, so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. To the same spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, which we would call tongues while another is given the ability to interpret what is said in unknown language. It is the one and only spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which each person should have. Having said that, it is recognized that tongues, speaking in a language you've never learned, is a gift that's available to everybody. And we will come on into a minute where there are sufficient verses in the Bible that eagerly encourage us to go for prophecy to make make me believe that there's biblical precedent for it to be available to all but we will have different gifts God will give us different gifts the nine gifts break down into three threes easily Um, wisdom knowledge and prophecy they're often referred to as the wisdom gifts that's speaking with a word of wisdom a word of knowledge or speaking with a prophetic message A word of knowledge may be something you've met before where God will give somebody information they've never learned that there is a need for a healing of a leg in a room and then we will move on to healing after that. The gift of knowledge is quite simply knowing something you don't know. Um, And I think a good phrase for that would be when 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 you read about Jesus, Jesus, knowing what the Pharisees were thinking, then said this. He had knowledge about what he hadn't been taught. Um, There are the power gifts, healing, faith, and miracles. Um, You and I are encouraged to move in faith, but this sort of faith is where there is just no doubt in somebody's mind. 
They can actually see the resolution of a situation. They can see something happening with an absolute faith and no doubt. And I'm sure healing and miracles are something that you're familiar with. Speaking in tongues um, was very controversial when I came into the charismatic movement in the late 70s and 80s, unfortunately. So it doesn't necessarily have an easy reputation. But Paul teaches us that in public meetings, it's better to have those gifts where we understand what somebody is saying unless it's actually interpreted. Interpretation is the gift that enables us to know what that strange language was. Um, and discernment is in there with the language gifts. But I would emphasize, we tend to refer to it as discernment, but it's called the discerning of spirits, not just discernment. It isn't a general gift. It is the discerning of spirits. So there's nine gifts I hope you're fairly familiar with, and I'm going to dive into prophecy in a moment. But if we then move on to Romans 12 and get out of Mark's OCD nine gifts, there are some others in there. And again, this is from the New Living Translation. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness, some translations say mercy, to others, do it gladly. So there's perhaps some gifts of the Holy Spirit, supernatural spiritual gifts you may not be familiar with. You may even think they're surprising. I didn't know giving was, was in there and serving. Leadership and teaching you're probably familiar with. But we need to establish one principle. We don't go after the power. We go after the presence. We don't go after the power we go after the presence. We want to be, Paul taught us, we need to learn to be in the moment um, as we're going to be at the end of this meeting. I'm hoping there's some time there for us to really engage with the Holy Spirit as we say, come Holy Spirit. We know he lives within us, so we have his presence. But what we're looking for is him to manifest himself here and for us to feel his presence and have that heaviness that God is in the room. Um, but it is his presence that leads to power. There are many dangers of just seeking the power. Having taught you that this is what God has given you, it's important to understand that we access the power through the presence. We don't seek God's power, we seek his presence. So you're in the bus queue, you're talking with somebody, and you discover that they've got um, an illness or a broken limb or something and you're thinking I want to pray for them you're not looking for the power in that moment you're looking for the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and be with you to show you what is it you're meant to do at that moment which may mean offering them to pray for healing we need his presence his power is found in presence that's very important moving on Let's move on to the gift of prophecy and um, let's deal with the marketing department first. 1 Corinthians 14.1, and I'm back to my NIV again. Follow the way of love. It follows on the chapter 13, which is all about love. Follow the way of love. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. The Bible says we should feel comfortable eagerly desiring the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. 
And prophecy for me is a gift of encouragement. So it's natural, given love is what holds the church together, that encouragement is what makes it um, active and enjoyable on top of that. Um, 1 Corinthians 14.39, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to speak prophecy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. And there are a number of verses where we're told to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Now, so I would encourage you, um, it's not a have to. For me, if you would like the gift of prophecy, it is available and accessible to you. Well, what is the gift of prophecy? Well, one of the things that I struggle with the Bible is it's not like a textbook. I can't look up chapter 9, how to improve your marriage. Or chapter 3, how not to kill teenagers. You just can't, just can't go there like that. But we do have a definition of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14.3. But the one who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, for their encouraging, and for their comfort. And for me, that's the essential flavor of all prophecy. It needs to be strengthening, encouraging, and comforting, which is why it's been translated as build up, stir up, and cheer up. But given that phrase has lasted the years, it must have some application. That's been around, I've referred, heard it referred to as that many, many times. I need to clarify the fact that all prophecy is strengthening, encouraging, and comforting does not mean that on odd occasions, the God who loves you may want to tell you what you don't want to hear, but you do need to hear. It's a parental thing. And you might not think that's very strengthening, encouraging, and comforting, but I can assure you it is because sometimes love has to be tough. Having said that, we really need to dispel the bad reputation that prophecy has because prophecy is misunderstood by the church. The church still thinks prophecy operates as an old covenant gift. Woe is Moab. Um, not the sort of thing I want to really be getting into. It's all about judgment and punishment. And we really need to understand that new covenant prophecy is nothing like old covenant prophecy and actually if Joe was here she'd be bored to death because I go on and on and on about how important it is that prophecy moves from the old covenant to the new covenant we are now in a covenant of love and grace and forgiveness and prophecy must reflect that it isn't about judgment and punishment because that is old covenant. It is about love and grace. It's about your father coming to you and encouraging you to give more of yourself to him and allowing him to give more of himself to you. It is strength and encouraging. But if we can't break away from this old model, um, it's not going to be something you, you really want to be doing. And there's just so much misunderstanding about it. Um, I do a lot of teaching on this. Prophecy is hearing God for others and sharing it with them. Uh, and actually, it's not that complicated because prophecy is founded on hearing God for yourself. Because we do hear God from ourselves. We have the Holy Spirit, remember, who lives with us and will be in you. Will be in you, Jesus said. You just can't get more. Do you realize that as a Christian, you can never be on your own? You're doomed. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit is there. It's just wonderful. You know, when you turn the lights off at night, 
He is there with you. He is there with you. But he's hearing God, but this time God is talking to you as he would normally talk to you, but it's a message for other people. It's quite simply bringing a word of encouragement. And I'd, I'd really encourage you, you know, if you, if you don't know where to start with all these supernatural gifts, um, tongues may be something that you do at home and in private. It's something I do quite a lot to encourage me. The Bible says we build ourselves up as we speak in tongues. But prophecy is encouraged because it's a gift that we can use to bless others. And I would suggest it's a good place for you to start there. Start to open up yourself for those who need encouragement. Say, Father, have you got an encouragement, a message, a song title, a Bible verse, a kind word that I can share with this person because they're needing it at this time. And you too. I'll take that as an amen, shall I? You need to be in the moment. You need to be in the moment. And I find this so difficult. I find it. I'm a yuppie. I have a diary with eight times as much in, in the day as there should be. And my mind is full of all the things that I need to be doing. It's, it's great, Nigel, mentioning the church weekend. But you know what that does? That shits you off on this list of all the things I have to do before I get there. And your mind fills up. And to move in the supernatural, to be like Jesus, and to do the things that Jesus did, you need to be where you are. That sounds daft, doesn't it? But you, you actually need to be where you are. I'm here... Um, and because I'm teaching you, I can promise you I am here. <laughs> but, but I could, my mind could be elsewhere. My mind could be thinking of what I've got to do for the rest of the day. Um, and I've got a big meeting Monday morning, so I need to allow time to prepare for that. And I'm not all here. If you want to move supernaturally and be like Jesus, one of his great gifts was he was where he was. And he spotted what everybody didn't see. He could be in a crowd and see a guy up a tree. He could be in a crowd with people pressing on him and go, somebody touch me. Are you a fruit and nut case? Somebody touch me. He could be there. So I can do all this great teaching. At least I think it's great anyway. Hey, we'll see what happens. The Holy Spirit can speak to you through me. Let's do it appropriately. But if you're not in the moment, you'll miss that. Um, I don't want to stress the where's Wally, but you have to really look for him to find him. That's a quote from Theodore Roosevelt. Do what you can with what you have where you are. Last slide. The finale of the finale. Here we are. Part four. We have been on a journey as a church family and if you've joined us today, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I, I actually think listening to Joe's talk on the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, well, you would probably find helpful because that can be a, a challenging area for all of us. But is, it is, we want to renew our expectation of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not the only thing. It's not the most important thing. But it's what God is saying to us, what the leadership is telling us, God is teaching us and renewing us in and no doubt after the church weekend we'll be looking at some of the other ones. And as I said to you, it's all about being an apprentice. It's that phase three of an apprentice. Being with Jesus, being like Jesus 
and doing the things that Jesus did. And if you want to be an apprentice, it seems to me to do the things that Jesus did, including many of the loving things he said, many of the controversial things he said, you remember him as we remember John Wimber, and I'm not comparing them. We remember they were supernatural. They moved in the miraculous. God broke in. You know, the the jargon is heaven touched earth. It just amazed people. And the world is looking for that reality. We are Jesus' hands and feet. To be his witnesses, that mission statement, the power will come upon you so you can be my witnesses in Winchester, Hampshire, and to the ends of the earth, is so that we are his hands and feet. He's looking to do it through you and I now. Now, God is gracious. He just, you know, he does things without us. But his main plan is for you and I to be his hands, his feet, and his voice. So, remember when I said, you know, where the preacher's going, this is all going to get a bit, it's going to end up with me doing something at the end of this. It's when you, it's not what you've heard today, it's what are you going to think about this Monday morning and being in the moment during the week for that person that comes along, God wants you to say, can I pray for you? Gulp. (laughs) On that sort of side. John Wimber said, faith is spelt risk. I'm asking you to take a risk. I'm asking you to take a risk. We're founding it on what the Bible teaches us. It makes us nervous and uncertain, but God wants to touch the world through you and I, and that is what Father is restoring to us. And so I have this statement, can I pray for you? which I call um, fivefold ministry. Can I pray for you? Where do you start? You know, okay, this is, this is all good, but where do I start? Then I will give you this phrase. Start with, can I pray for you? Don't go for the power. Call God's presence into that moment. Holy Spirit, be here with me. What do you want me to do? How do I pray? What is it? I mean, remember, I'm saying that because if we're going to be biblical, this may not be good selling. If we're going to be biblical, then on occasions you're going to rub mud into people's eyes. So you do need to be in the moment for the unusual. Okay? May not be the best thing to do to start off with. Okay? But I mean, it's in the Bible. People say to me, I only do the things that are in the Bible. I'm going, are you mad? There's some crazy stuff in there. It's crazy. But can I leave that with you? <laughs> 